What's up, bosses? Before we kick off this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor this week, Shopify.com. Now, can we talk about notifications for a second? Who actually leaves those sounds on anymore? Well, okay, wait. Besides that kind, because that sound means another sale on Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it easy to sell to anyone from anywhere. So whether you're looking for vintage teas or recipes for ghee, you can start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of your favorite businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you can create an online store that jives with your vibe discover new customers and grow the following that keeps them coming back in fact myself sam and johnny have all used shopify at various points and we highly recommend it and if you want to check it out for yourself you can get a free trial right now when you go to shopify.com slash ilab that's shopify.com slash ilab now it's important that the ilab is all lowercase so you can start selling online today by checking out shopify.com slash iLab. I'm going to tell you even more about Shopify during the break in the show, but for now, let's kick off this episode of Invest Like a Boss. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses, this is Johnny, and welcome to episode 254 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Uh, I am in Athens, Greece, and I think Sam smells like he's in Japan. Smells. <laughs> I'm still here, man. Well, yeah. actually, we're going to talk about it on this episode, but yeah, I haven't I haven't left, and um, it's good so far. Loving it. First snow was yesterday, so gives you an idea of what the, the weather's like. You know... As when I was young, I always thought all of Asia was hot all year round and none of it snowed until I realized that Japan uh, and actually Korea, both they both snow like crazy. That's right. I think there's only one main ski destination in all of Asia, and it's northern Japan called Niseko. I'm sure Korea has some spots, but think of the entire continent of Asia, and there's like one ski destination compared to north america or even europe where there's just like endless amounts of places to ski yeah that is strange right like geographically i guess china you would think china would have ski places i'm sure they've carved out some mountaintop to ski but certainly nothing notable um even when i was going across siberia there was places to ski across siberia i just don't think anyone would go out of their way to get there yeah, but sometimes those are the best destinations when they're a little bit out of the way and not as popular as, you know, what, Boreal or <laughs> whatever it is people go yeah. to the US. I totally, I totally agree. Kevin Shea, who we'll have on the this episode, he rented a place, just a one bedroom in mm-hmm. Niseko, which I just mentioned in North Island of Japan. It's $700 a night. And he's like, that's pretty much as cheap as it goes because it is like the only ski destination in Asia. So pretty much you have everyone trying to flood in there for a couple, couple months of good ski. Wow. That is insane. Well, you guys did pick a very good time to go to Japan because according to the currency conversion charts, uh, and I think 
it was either the was it that yeah the episode after this um we'll be talking about inflation and the one just before this we talk about cost of living so this kind of goes in together but japan has always been very expensive uh so if you guys feel like it's not that bad it's probably because just a year ago the yen was one to a hundred what is it now while you're there i don't know (laughs) i just know it's i just know it's a lot better (laughs) i guess are you not spending cash there is everything on a card I'm doing probably 50-50 actually. Yeah, it's quite there's quite a lot of cash payments. A lot of people don't like to take credit cards here, so but I I I still don't know what it is to the dollar. Like when I pull money out of the ATM, I'm not checking the exchange rate. I'm just just <laughs> YOLO baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the sad marks. Uh please never write a budget travel book. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you just like select the biggest option, uh, like like wherever you go? Because if you're not looking at currency rate, like how, how much do you pull out every time you go to the ATM? I, I try to pit, pull out like, and this is kind of standard no matter where I am internationally. I always try to take out more than 300, usually 300 to 500. Okay. Because you get the same bank fees pretty much no matter what. So I always feel like if I only take out a hundred, I'm just getting ripped off. You end up with like fifteen, twenty dollars worth of bank fees just to take that out, right? Mm-hmm. So I always try to take out more. And I think in Japan, yeah, I'm trying to take out like um, at least fifty thousand yen each time. Okay. So I, I I guess you at least converted it once to to know what fifty thousand was, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think I want to say a thousand yen is like seven dollars that's kind of the metric i've been going on because most of the saunas like the onsens are a thousand uh-huh. yen and i'm like well it's only seven bucks to get into an onsen that's great yeah like that's that'd be like thailand price yeah so what it is is um you're, you're correct it's six dollars and 81 cents right now so it's about seven bucks uh nice. but ju- just one year ago and if we had gone really any time in the last you know couple years five years it was 50 percent uh of a difference so now you're getting 146 yen to the dollar and throughout the last you know however many years 10 years it's been about 100 so you're getting a 50 percent bonus man it it, everything i'm i'm spending here i'm always like because i'm using that metric i think a thousand yen to to seven bucks and everything seems pretty pretty reasonable but if you had come when it was a hundred, uh, was it hundred to one? Things would be if it, everything was fifty percent more, things would feel expensive, you know. Yeah. But right now, I'm like, damn, this is it's pretty reasonable. Very good value, you know, for everything. Really good food and entertainment and everything for reasonable amount of money. Yeah, well, I think this might be a good time for of uh, me of to to have gone, uh, but. Actually, fun fact, uh, I don't I don't know if I told you this. I applied for a job in Japan and and if if I had gotten it, I would have I would have started next month. Like this like you just applied for a job in Japan? Yeah, this pretty recently. an old story. No, no, this is like very recently. I, I applied for a job in Japan. It's a, it's a temporary gig, but it was a it was a job in Japan. <laughs> Johnny is seeking temporary employment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll we'll it, talk more about that in the outro. Yeah. So 
I haven't seen Kevin since uh, about two years ago uh, in Kiev, actually, in Ukraine. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's been a while. I would love to catch up with both of you guys and listen to your stories about Japan. Because I think this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to catching up. Obviously, I've been on uh, a trip now for two weeks with Kevin. So we've had plenty of time to catch up. But he's got a really interesting life, and a, a unique outlook on money through the business that he built and how he's trying to transition into more of a, a passive uh, cash flow modeling his life very much off Johnny FD. Got to say he, uh, he certainly admires kind of how you, how you operate your day to day. But we've been having a good time here. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the investment opportunities that we're looking at in Japan and, uh, and in Hong Kong and abroad. So lots to catch up on. I'm excited. You know, we, we, did not record an episode looking back when we did Trans-Siberia together. I can't believe we didn't because it was like such a good opportunity to record one. But I guess we had probably just recorded one in Iceland. So we thought no reason to. But uh, that was actually the last time that I, I hung out with him at any uh, extended or any extended period of time. So uh, it's good to catch up. Yeah, that's crazy. So I look forward to listening to this episode and then stay tuned because Sam and I will come back uh, for the outro to talk about some of the potential business and real estate uh, investments that they're going to discuss as well as what job opportunity Johnny applied for. This week's sponsor of Invest Like a Boss is Shopify.com. Now, I want to tell you guys about my personal story with Shopify. Now, I'm sure most of you out there had all kinds of crazy business ideas when you were coming up. So did I. I sold like everything. I'm talking sunglasses, candles, bicycles everything. I thought I could sell it and be rich overnight. Well, guess what? None of that worked. In fact, I didn't have a successful e-commerce campaign until I actually used Shopify. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I worked in the music business and what better place to sell merch for your fans than online. That's when I found Shopify and we were able to create a hefty side revenue for our artists and enhance for our business who manage those artists. Shopify was so easy and straightforward. In minutes, you can have an online store up and running, and then you'll be hearing this sound multiple times a day. If you want to check it out now, there is a free trial going on. All you got to do is go to shopify.com slash iLab. That's shopify.com slash I-L-A-B. Make sure that I-L-A-B is all lowercase. One more time, get your free trial today at shopify.com slash iLab. Kevin Shea. Hello, Sam. We're naked in Japan. <laughs> we're in the onsen. <laughs> we're going to try to record this in the onsen. But uh, too many people there, so it was kind of odd. Didn't they? What, what did we try to take in the onsen? Beer? And, Beer and sake and a podcast mic. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then, no. This place has too many rules, as Sam says, right? Too many order restrictions. They don't serve uh, sake in the afternoon, remember? <laughs> yeah. And you have to wear gloves for a buffet. Yeah, those are two that I didn't think of immediately. But this is an amazing country, and it's also a very challenging and frustrating country. Sam, what's your history? You're a well-traveled man. 
uh, I'm surprised to find that you haven't been well traveled within Japan. So can you tell us some history with you in Japan? I think it's just because I don't have a real good excuse. I've always wanted to do Japan in detail, but it's not a place that I think you go by yourself. Maybe Tokyo, but for the reasons we were just talking about, like it's a it it's really foreigner unfriendly <laughs> right like in yeah. each day i'm a little frustrated yeah. trying to do stuff yeah i mean there's like what are some of the things that bother what, 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 the what four are, hour drive the two and a half hour right. uh <laughs> yeah for one taxi drivers always seem to be yeah. lost yeah you can't communicate with them at all yeah. no japanese i mean generally outside tokyo and in, in osaka uh, people's english proficiency is a bit low yeah okay so it's low but then there's a lot of countries that you go that you can't really speak the same language, yeah. but you can still get around real easy, because, like with hand gestures and yeah. a few, a couple words. And I don't know the sign postings in here, dude. Here, I can't even figure out how to turn water on or flush the toilet. <laughs> it's like I went to the airport bathroom, yeah. and I've never seen a more high-tech bathroom. It's like yeah. I couldn't. You had to choose a button to turn the faucet and the water on. It wasn't just like a lever, you know. Yeah. And then you had to you had to hit a button to close the bathroom door yeah. behind you. So I had to go out and get the, the the lady, you know, that's like the airline. But isn't this like the hidden gem for nomads? Because you you guys like you and other people are always complaining like, oh, this is such a good place. Don't spoil it in a few years. Yeah. So many expats gonna come. It's gonna ruin it. Yeah. But that's your that's your mold. That's your barrier to entry, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, even I feel bad kind of coming here because I just feel so out of place. It's like <laughs> I don't know how to do real basic stuff. So can you tell the audience where we are now? I think I learned how to say it properly today. Hokkaido? Hokkaido, yeah. Hokkaido. And Hokkaido is the province, and the, the city, the capital, is Sapporo. So we're in Sapporo right now. You know why I always wanted to come here? Why? For some reason, Sapporo beer always really appealed to, to me. <laughs> like, I had Asai and Kirin. You get Kirin at a lot of airport lounges now. Yeah. But Sapporo... It's more difficult to find, and I always had this vision of like being up here in the winter yeah. and like drinking Sapporo beer in like a hot thermal bath or something. <laughs> we, we did plenty of that. Yeah, <laughs> we've spent half the time in an onsen so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, while I open these two beers, so what, uh, I want to hear what what you've done in Japan before, but so I I, I got these two beers. One Sapporo Classic, which you can only buy here in Hokkaido. You can't Are you sure? Outside. Yeah. Sapporo, the normal, like they're just everyday label, yeah. you can get Anywhere. across Japan. Okay. But it's not that easy to get even outside of Japan. But this is Sapporo Classic. You can only get this here in Hokkaido. And then I picked up this one, uh, Abasiri, Abasiri Brewery. I'm trying to figure out what my favorite Japanese beer is. So we're going to do a taste test here. While I open these... So fresh. Amazing. You want me to have a have a sip as well? What are you, are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking sake, sake right now. <laughs> Kevin's drinking sake out of a tea glass. <laughs> how is they it? look the same? Huh? How is it, by the way? It's pretty good. I'm not a. I took a course in sake like last year because of COVID, but uh, it was so difficult. I didn't even go for the exam. I just asked for the teacher, "Hey, can you teach me how to talk like you when you explain the sake so I look cool?" And that's it. <laughs> I just left. Yeah. Right. But uh, this one's pretty good. Yeah. They have three really good liquors here. They have good beer, they have amazing whiskey, and they have sake, which is pretty awesome. The one thing that do surprise me. I, 
uh, if you don't mind, is I've noticed I haven't seen you for a while, and uh, every day is about alcohol these days, Sam. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's been too far and few between uh, trips with, with friends. And yeah. I think what we realized actually is we did Trans-Siberia together, which we talk about all the time. And yeah. while we were there, we never even recorded an episode. I know, it was man. Like the best trip ever. Yeah, so I don't think I can go back for a while. Maybe I can as a Chinese person because we're friends with the Russians now. Yeah, but you can't. Because some of you guys are supplying them arms yeah. and stuff like that, right? Well, not me, not me personally. <laughs> so you, you've you've been to Japan before? I, I was like shocked. We get off the plane, and Kevin's speaking Japanese to yeah. some people. I was like, dude. I, Known you for ten years, didn't know you spoke Japanese. Pretty no, nice. I don't. I, I don't hide my uh, my my specialties. You know, I try to keep it humble. <laughs> the truth is, my uh, my Japanese sometimes falters. Uh, so growing up, uh, my family, my father does Japanese business. He uh, he studied university in Japan. Uh, actually, he met my mother on the boat in the sixties uh, to Japan. Right, so he's very fluent in Japanese. And when I first came back to Hong Kong, uh, I was thinking to take over my family business. So, so my minor in university was Japanese. Mm -hmm. So, God, I mean, I'm the most dumb person in terms of uh, of language. I mean, the amount of time I spend spend learning Japanese, oh my God, is unbelievable. Anyways, uh, uh, the thing is, like, when I live in Hong Kong, right, I really and doing storage, I don't really get a chance to use Japanese, right? So. As of now, my Japanese is functional. I would say a little bit more than functional, but I'm not even confident enough to do go into a business negotiation talking Japanese because yeah, it's so high level. Like that's given the amount of time. I mean, I, I started taking Japanese course in 1994, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I I continue to do that with the teacher and everything. Uh, the first two three years with my father, and sometimes on and off, on and off. But it's just the fact that I don't like I don't have a Japanese girlfriend, mm -hmm. right? Before. And I don't have any customers that need, need me speaking Japanese. And people who, the friends I have in Hong Kong that are Japanese, and, and, and the joke is because my Japanese is not so good, they would try to speak to, to me in English instead, right? So, so that's why. <laughs> but having, having said that, it's, it's good to know another language. I'm, I'm learning Indonesian right now. So because my, my wife is Indonesian, my kids speak Indonesian. So, so that's, uh, that's five languages. No, that's four languages and two dialects, right? English, Mandarin, Cantonese, Indonesian, Japanese. So, so that's, that's pretty good. Pretty damn good, I gotta yeah. say. And you're, uh, it's cool that you're learning a language and you're, you're, well, you're about, you're, you're bir when's your birthday again? My birthday was September, uh, September. 1973. That's I'm gonna right. turn 50 next year. Yeah, yeah. So the guys last night that we were with were like talking about your upcoming birthday. It's like oh, he's he's midlife. It's he's ready for the second half of his life. I'm like, wait, is 50 midlife? For me, that seems like it's you know at <laughs> well, least two thirds. But Asians, Asians typically live uh, a little bit longer. They certainly look better later in life. But the statistics I know about about a uh, about a uh, life is. Uh, one third of all people or, or all humans at the end of their life they don't they don't just fall off a cliff and die they have this terminal disease that they have to struggle with for at least eight to ten years then they die yeah. and so so like assume I, I live until 90 or even 85 right so I'm pretty like this one third of a chance and I'll be pretty incap 
incapacitated yeah. by 75, 76, which is really sad, you know. So yeah. So I still like to look at it, but as a ment mental exercise, I think you want to pretend that you live as long as you can. Mm -hmm. You don't want to say, oh, the end is near, the end is near, you know, and, and just you know, just just mope around, right? So uh, it is what it is. I was just gonna say, uh, I'm, that's why I enjoy the beers today, because the last ten <laughs> years of your life, you know, I, you never see like 90 year old people like drinking wine or cognac do you i mean occasionally i don't know but i heard those people in like those florida homes they're pretty oh yeah they're <laughs> they're oh pretty God. wild man wild. but i think that's more like 60s 70s yeah. 80s yeah. maybe maybe not so much yeah so. yeah awesome trip that you set up here man thank you so can you tell, tell them a bit about what, what we're doing so far what we have done so kevin has gotten into biking Oh yeah, <laughs> and and actually, like in parallel, I got into biking as well in Barcelona, and then my bike got stolen. I was like, I didn't really like. But not bike. this extreme, right? I didn't really, yeah, yeah. This is pretty extreme, right? Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of biking. But what I realized is, like, I love biking for like two hours. What I don't like is going like eight hours a day. Yeah, I don't like doing anything for eight hours a day. And this <laughs> is like just like coffee in an air conditioned office. You know, doing something. Well, the guy, the guys that we're with right now, right? Uh, these guys are f fanatical bikers, right? So they go. Uh, Timmy, for example, their organizer, he 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 organizes bicycle trips around the world, right? Yeah. So so he loves that, you know. And and, and all the other two guys, they you know, that's the number one passion, right? Yeah. And they're going telling us like, oh, this is much better than Okinawa, their trails and all that. And I don't know the difference, man. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, but this is this is their passion. I mean, I do it for the. For the challenge, in the sense that uh, I like to challenge myself outside of work or investment. Uh, I like to com complete things that that I don't think I could do, mm -hmm. and, and and doing like 400k or 420k within six seven days is a challenge for me. So so that's something I'm looking forward to as a breakthrough. Yeah, you almost fainted the first day. Right? <laughs> that's because I was trying to be on a no carb diet and go <laughs> 80k on the first day as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, for me, doing 80K in a day is just not even fun. Yeah. It's like I like to do the first 30 to 50 on a bike. You get your three hours of biking in, some good stops, some good scenery, and then it's like I don't want to do another four hours. Yeah, is another uh, uh, or fake thing. It's like I, I, I get pleasure of doing 80K, yeah. and then I take a picture of the speed speedometer, and then my friend's praising me that I did 80K. That's something I'm still very yeah. shallow about, you know? Yeah. And everything else that you do, when you do a day like that, everything else you do in the day is so much more rewarding. So, like, yeah. for instance, go out and have a nice sushi dinner and a bottle of sake. It's like you kind of earned it. Yeah. But so, these, these these trips are awesome. So, Sam, uh, are you going to come back to Japan again? Yeah. And what's what what would be the the reason, like, or the purpose? What, what would you do, like, here? Like, what impressed you about Japan? Well, uh, okay, first off, what, anything else that's frustrating about the country? Because there's there's quite a few we caught, we shouted out earlier. But one another one that bothers me is the rooms are all like borderline hot, <laughs> and I can never figure <laughs> out to get the AC. And the windows don't open. They don't because a lot of people uh, kill themselves here, you know. So uh, yeah. Okay, okay. so yeah. that's a bit morbid. But there's like it's what it's like two Celsius. It's like seven degrees out right yeah. now and it's hot in the room yeah. and every night I'm like yeah. beat up from biking and I'm 
I, I go to bed. I'm like, I have no covers on me. I'm just naked exactly. on the top yeah. sheet, you know. <laughs> that, that, that's that's a, that's a bad one. That's a bad one. The newer hotels are better. Okay, and one other thing, <clears throat> cannot find a trash can in the entire country. <laughs> and I've tried to take trash into a store, like a coffee shop, and throw it out, and I basically got thrown out of the store. So uh, a a good friend of mine, a fam- famous YouTuber, went to a ramen shop in Tokyo. <laughs> And uh, he brought some he brought some food from Seven Eleven, mm-hmm. like uh, the convenience store. He left the trash in the ramen shop, and the owner took a bad. picture of that, <laughs> and it was all over the Hong Kong news. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, like in Hong Kong, it's like if something that happened to us, it's like okay, just, just move on. What the hell, you know? Yeah. But Japan, that's like a big shocker, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this. You have to apologize. I don't, I don't see how they're ever. I don't see how they have tourists here. I really don't. Like they're so, even people that are well traveled, international, they're still way out of place here. And when you, as soon as you get out of like downtown Tokyo, man, you're a fish. There's out so of water. many perks here. I mean, there's so many. Uh, the girls are lovely, right? Yeah, uh, we can talk about that. The people are lovely. Uh, yeah, uh, Japanese people are very honorable, right? If you do business with them, I've seldom seen a Japanese person that purposely cheat you over over something. It's hard to gain their trust. Mm-hmm. It probably takes a year, two years, because my dad is in in Japanese business, right? So uh, it's hard to gain their trust. Mm-hmm. But once you gain their trust, you're on that list. It's like 10, 20, 30 years straight on. Like yeah. they're not going to switch you just because the other guy is like 5% cheaper. No. Yeah. So so that that's very easy. It's, uh, it's super clean for super obvious clean. reason. And La- uh, Land, weather, food. Yeah. Like cleanliness yeah. and uh, like vibe, I would yeah. say it's the best in the world. Yeah. It's just the it's just the barrier, the language barrier. I, I would I would I would also say it's not even just the language. Um, my my Japanese is not that proficient, but based on what I know from like my dad and, mm-hmm. and other people, is you can never tell what they think. Mm. Even if they say no to you. They would they would not say no. They would just say, "Oh, this is very difficult." Yeah. <laughs> right. So 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 it's it's hard to see through them, right? Yeah. Versus like other people, like Americans or something. Like yeah. yes, as a yes, no as a no, right? So yeah. Yeah. Well, I I typically like places that I mean this sounds odd because I live in Barcelona and Thailand most of the time, but I like I like structure. I like order. I like rules. I like things to be disciplined. I don't like like total chaos and and anarchy right but here is kind of like pushing it <laughs> it's like oh man there's all these rules and then you feel like me as sort of a, a kind of a rule abiding citizen for the most part I feel bad because I, I realize like, I'm kind of breaking rules and misstepping so, so the you joke, I just don't yeah. think you even care like I don't like no, the joke, sneak up there and take a photo like <laughs> the, the joke is like uh, I learned this a long time ago because before I was married and all that is uh Japanese people are so structured. If you just say like you met a girl in a bar or like for a friend's friend and all that, right? And you want to go on a date with them, it's around approximately one week prior. Like they'll go on a date with you for sure, no problem. But you can't just add how hey let's let's go tomorrow. No, they're gonna say no. It's their schedule is very well structured and and and, and kept. If you want to see them, it's one week later. Right, I, so I think I think you'd be super. I feel like this would be the hardest place in the world to get a date. <laughs> like, it would just be like, uh, yeah. I think it would be a fantastic place. I said this to you, like my next life, 
I want I'd be like to be reborn as like a Japanese business guy. Rich Japanese business guy. Yeah, rich <laughs> Japanese business guy. I love oh, we didn't mention the onsens. The onsens the onsen life is like top notch. You go, you do your work day, you go on a bike, whatever you do, like you finish in an onsen for a couple hours and then you go get a nice dinner. Dude, that's that's as good as it gets. So he doesn't doesn't have that in Barcelona. We we had that in Russia, I remember, right? Yeah. And they have to they have to go to the snow and just roll around. Remember yeah. that? <laughs> and even in uh, Tajikistan, Russia, Tajikistan, I think a lot of northern countries have the yeah. big onsen spa type of thing. Barcelona's really unfortunately doesn't have it. You can franchise it. Nice hotels. Oh. I know. Yeah, Barcelona's missing a few of these things, including wine storage, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think if you could learn Japanese, like you, like why you, all the chaos is going on in Hong Kong. Why wouldn't you consider moving here? You speak Japanese; it'd be like an awesome place to raise a family. Um, I have very aging parents, mm-hmm. so I don't want to leave them before you know, like 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 the last few years and all that. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have 150 staff in my business. <laughs> so you're staying in I Hong trust Kong. them, but not to the extent that I moved to yeah. Japan, right? Sure, so. sure, sure. And there's high taxes here. There's high taxes. There's there's no digital nomad visa here, man. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. All right. So you're sticking out in Hong Kong for now. But awesome. I've made I made a uh, we discussed it privately. I made a second home in Bali. Mm-hmm. My wife is Indonesian Chinese, so we we got a place in Bali. So we'll be spending um, every summer there. Interesting fact: um, uh, Bali summer is cooler than Hong Kong. It's around 25, 26 because it's next to Australia. So we get the Australian winter. Uh, summer meaning like July, August. July, August. Yeah, yeah. June, July, August. And I'm looking in Vancouver because I'm from Hong Kong. There's a lot of Hong Kong people in Vancouver. Uh, the the thing that really attracted me in Vancouver is uh, is the skiing, right? So I really like Whistler and all that. But there is a mountain called Groose Mountain, which is 10 minutes away from North Vancouver. So my friend who's in storage, right, he lives there, and he can visit all the people downtown or or in Richmond 30 minutes. At the same time, his ski, ski slope is like five minutes from from his house. I'm like skiing in the daytime and just hang out with your friends at night. That's a good place. To hang out. That is so, seriously. So I'm not like I'm not leaving Hong Kong because of all the mess, but but a summer in Bali, winter in Vancouver, and one or two months hanging out with you and other stuff. That's 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 the next ten years, sound, man. Sound like a guy in his twenty that doesn't have a family. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bring my wife to those places, you know. So you know. <laughs> so congratulations on the Bali place. Um, looks awesome i know it was not an easy no it was very frustrating like buying and uh and renovating that place yeah sure uh the reason why we 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 bought that place was my wife is indonesian chinese like thailand she can buy land Mm -hmm. right so we go there often a lot and and uh and we decided to buy it because it's really cheap in comparison to hong kong right so the land we bought is in chenggu which is the number one actually it's been rated the top three surfing locations in the world next to uh next to uh, ibiza and Ibiza? Ibiza. There's another surfing place in uh, in Mexico. I forgot the oh, place. Oh, uh, yeah, probably West Coast. Yeah, I, f- I forgot the place. And then and then there's this Bali, right? Anyways, uh, Chenggu. So uh, we bought the place four years ago. <laughs> yeah. It was not it was not new, but it was neat. It was clean. Oh, I bought it for it uh, a little a little bit under eight hundred thousand US, seven hundred fifty maybe, uh, four thousand four thousand three hundred square feet plus. If you include the swimming pool and everything, it's six thousand, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, uh, a friend's friend say, "Hey, you know, a friend re- recommended a decoration guy. Hey, I could make 
do everything out, redo everything. Looks like a mansion in Malibu. Uh huh. Okay, so I go fuck. Uh-huh. Sorry, uh, everything looks so cheap, right? So, so we decide to uh, to renovate it. Fast forward uh, one year into COVID, the guy calls me up. Sorry, boss, I miscalculated. Oh, uh, like I ran out of money. Huh? So he only asked me for a hundred a million Hong Kong, which is about one hundred thirty thousand US, right? So. Extra. No, no, the whole thing he said. Oh, okay, okay. One hundred thirty thousand, which is a, which is a steal. Was yeah, very for good that price. big of a house. And then he he's like stalling, 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 and he calls me personally and says, "Hey, sorry, boss, I miscalculated. Or, uh, uh, I need another fifty thousand, right? Mm-hmm. What I think." It was a Ponzi scheme in the sense that he was using my money to finish another project, and he was trying to get another project to finish my project. Uh, you know that's how things are, right? And as I like, basically, my thing is, even if I were to add more money to this project, I'm not gonna give it to this guy, man. He lost my trust already, right? So, 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 uh, so I decided not to get, and I was trying to get another. Uh, 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 contracted to do it, but there's COVID, right? I can't get in and I can't get out, right? So, and the th- worst thing about these people, right, is in Hong Kong, if they screw you, they just leave. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, I guess they're in a good gesture or, 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 or they're nice and all that. Even if they screw up, they say sorry, and then every two months they would do something to your house. Like, they would paint the wall. In Hong Kong? You know, the Bali house. Oh, okay. And they would, like, like they put it in a TV, right? Or they would fix the bed. In a promise that they'll finish everything in two months, mm-hmm. so you have this fake mm-hmm. belief that they're gonna finish it. Yeah. So that's what it really dragged on for three years, right? Until like. So this dripping like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And right? And the, and, the, and then finally, when the COVID started to subside, uh, 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 the the quarantine became from 14 days to seven days. I said, screw it. We're just gonna go and we just switch the guy. <laughs> My wife keeps on saying, "No, he's he's getting a TV every every month." I go, "At this rate, we'll be 60, right?" Yeah. So I say, "No, just go in, get somebody else." And we got somebody else. Turns out pretty good. We we found an Airbnb guy, and we found a really really good interior designer that arranged everything. Took us about oh, we took we spent another three and four months there just to fix everything. But after four years, everything's done. So in total, I spent about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on the house. I spent. Uh, a little uh, around 200,000 uh, $200, US on the uh, on the on the renovation everything mm-hmm. and about 40,000 on on the appliances and everything yeah. uh it's good now but uh, the price has doubled right mm-hmm. uh, the price is around I would say 1.8 million dollars. Wow! All right, so it's not bad. I mean, it, it looks it looks every bit of that. Like, it's and a I'll tell and house. I'll tell you why. This is a good insight for like iLab invest like a boss, right? Of all of Bali, Chenggu is one of the few places where the price doubled, right? There's like Siminyak, there's Sanur, there's there's Ubud. doubled in like in the four, last years. four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reason um, I believe is the police, the local police there have a very very uh, relaxed rule about covid mm-hmm. despite what the central government says so there's a mask rule in Changu, okay okay you don't have to wear a mask uh, restaurants are supposed to be closed in my view they turn a blind eye mm-hmm. right as a result if you're a nomad or you're an expert of course i'm gonna rush in there right i don't want to be you know i don't want to have mask and i don't want like you know the restaurant to be closed right based on my observation the last like, recently now and and you know right 
anywhere that opens first or turn a blind eye, the property prices skyrocket because of the people. Exactly true. Right? Because everybody knows how to work from home mm-hmm. and they're just going to move in somewhere somewhere that they don't care about COVID, right? Yeah. I've seen that in Dubai. Dubai prices doubled, right? And, and you're talking Florida. you're talking about Florida, right? Maybe you can talk something about Florida as well. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't in Florida. We, it was funny because my parents sold their house like right before COVID. It took it the prop. The house was on the market for like six months without any bids, and finally someone came in and, and basically I think we sold it to them like 400 or something. Small, 1500 square foot, like that's pretty big in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Florida, you know, yeah, people know in the U.S. like an old Florida home, you yeah. know, built in like the 1960s, yeah. sold it for like 400 thousand or something. Now that that house is almost a million because of COVID, everyone moved to Florida. Everyone from New York. I mean, also there's the, the no state tax, so that was another big pull reason. But yeah, people people love freedom, man. They want to know like if shit hits the fan, yeah, where's my life gonna suck the least? Yeah. So so that's like that's like an investment investment tip. I mean, wherever like people are open to COVID, like look at Singapore now. Everybody's just going there, right? So anyways. Well, do you think people are going to Singapore because it, they're leaving Hong Kong and that's the next? That's the closest place. Yeah. That's 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 one thing. And Singapore are actively recruiting them, right? Uh, how to say? If I'm from China, right, yeah. I would go to Singapore because if I go to U.S. and there's a war, like we Chinese, right? We look look at the Russians, right, with assets in in U.S. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's confiscated, <laughs> right? Right, right? So if I go to Singapore, at least my assets not confiscated, right? And and from Hong Kong, right? If I go to Singapore, everything the structure, everything they have a, a relatively pretty good finance industry, right? So, so uh, life in Singapore is pretty good. Like it's a bit boring, like yeah, but, you know, it's too boring. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was so impressed with Dubai. I've al- I've always been. A fan I love of Dubai, Dubai too. You know? I love Dubai. And uh, I've been going. I go usually at least a couple times a year just because I'll fly Amber. Let's go to, uh, next. Go next year, man. Bro, that city is. That's going to be like the capital of the world. Vegas on steroids. (laughs) So much better than Vegas. So much better. Like the business opportunity there, it just, it's it's literally the center of the world in terms of flying. You know, you can't open a business there. You have to have a local that acts as a co-director, but it's not hard. It's pretty easy, right? I don't know enough about that stuff. What What I find in Dubai is like there's rules that kind of suck. But then no one really like enforces them. Everyone's yeah. just like, you know, the whole everyone's got this idea that Dubai was built on oil money, and it's not true. Dubai, Dubai all the buildings and fancy shit you see, that was all built money laundering. That's all money laundering. You know, you know what Russia the joke is? And everywhere else, they're dumping yeah. money in there and they're putting it into investments to they clean their money. So you know, you know what the joke is? Uh, in Dubai, the banks under Sharia law. Mm-hmm they can't pay interest or they, they don't yeah. have to pay interest yeah. Yeah. right so there's all these people that put in money and they don't have to put to give anything you know? yeah. <laughs> right so think about that oh, it's like amazing it's gotta be one of the only places in the world that they literally just make up new land every day yeah. and so we, we met with a property uh, realtor because we're like Man, we gotta get a place here let's open an office here like there's so much business opportunity and such and like Emirates is my favorite airline and you can I can fly everywhere from that hub you know and uh the real estate agents like yeah property prices are really weird here because like they just keep making better land it's yeah. like you think you have the most prime piece of land and the best building and all of a sudden 
two months later, like your sea view is gone because they built another island next to you, and they can just do this like infinitely. So it's really weird. Like the land game and the and buying stuff there, property there is is tough. Um, so maybe do business, but no, not not, but not buy if, property. If you're like an entrepreneur, and you're like and you're thinking big, Dubai is like the spot because you can. You're just gonna meet a lot of people that are. I heard like to make moves. taxes like like near zero. Taxes are like near zero, and in terms of flying around, I think like, it's like five percent. They just changed it. Best place in the world to catch a flight anywhere in the world. So, iLab conference, Dubai. Yeah, oh, well, let's talk about some business opportunities. There. Sure. So we were we were talking about. I want to hear about actually before we get into kind of new business opportunities. Tell us about the state of self-storage because since we talked last in Iceland we've had protests we've had war we've had a recession uh, what else COVID lockdowns everything <laughs> that's, that's, that's four huge ones and everything seems stable so last time when I when I saw you in Iceland that was 2018 that's mm-hmm. four years ago and the first time I was on, on iLab, it was 2016. I just had to fire. Mm-hmm. Unbelievably, I'm still dealing with that, with the lawsuits and everything. Episode 7. Yeah. You didn't actually talk about it in episode 7 because uh, it had just happened. So, yeah, don't, you don't have to talk about it now. But Yeah. So, anyways, uh, after the fire, like multiple lawsuits and new regulations and all that, it makes it so tough. And I was so impressed with your lifestyle and and Johnny's and Zach's and everybody, right? So, says, you know what? I'm just going to be an investor. So, so I sold off half my properties, a little bit under half, and I just invested in REITs and bonds. And I admit it wasn't the banker's fault, mostly. It, I, I got greedy. I, I, I leveraged, right? But I was diversified. I was diversified. Like, I didn't have anything over 10%, right? Wait, wait. You were leveraged but diversified. You mean you, you, you took out leverage, but you were invested in multiple different stocks. yeah stocks okay. and bonds and i thought the correlation between stock and bonds is not so is not so strong traditionally if stock falls bond would rise if uh, bonds uh, fall stock would rise you're reading too many books that were written exactly in exactly that's the problem <laughs> that's the problem people should take up these books off the shelf yeah. you know what i'm saying anyways uh, the first year i was with you like in iceland and then we did the siberia trip and ireland the first year, because I was so leveraged, I was making actually more money than storage. I go, holy cow, who the hell would want to work? Let's just do this full time. And then uh, 2020 happened when uh, uh, when US just realized they had COVID. March, I don't know, uh, I don't know if you how was your iLab episode then, but uh, around the clock, everything dropped 30 percent plus. And I had margin calls after margin calls after margin calls. Uh, to to make the long story short, my whole net worth that I've accumulated fifty or close to fifty years of my life, it dropped twenty eight percent, which is a lot for me at my age. I can't lose that much money. Uh, well, you can. You just be a little less yeah, rich. Yeah, I was talking to you, right? And you say, you know, try not to go under this number, right? Especially in Hong Kong, right? When, when people are so so damn rich. Anyways, uh, uh, at the same time, uh, because of COVID, this is due to COVID, right? And at the same time, so so make the long story short, during the fire, like uh, I had a, about 66 locations. They made a new regulation which asked me to demolish all my sites. Mm-hmm. And during the protest and COVID, the court closed because of COVID. Mm. So they can't sue me. <laughs> oh 
and storage is stable. It keeps on pumping in money, generating more and more money. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I got two roads here. Either I try to do finance and investing and have a risk of losing all my money overnight, right? Or I stick with storage. I may get sewer and there's, there may be a fire and flood. There's like a lot of these, you know, nightmare or stressful issues, but at least the money is there. At least it's stable. Yeah. So after long, long consideration, I decided to go all out. I closed my bank account with investing. I, I decided to return to storage. Yeah. Do so. what you know best. Full circle. You know what I mean? It's like, I tried to turn left and God made me turn right. I tried to turn right and God made me turn left. So it is what it is. You're right? just made to be the self-storage king. But storage, I, I tell you, is so damn stable. I, in the U.S., last year, this year because of interest rate different, but last year, uh, uh, people are like raising rent 80%, 100%. I'll tell you why in the U.S. There's two factors. One, the cost of shipping is so expensive. I don't know if you know your your friend Scott knows, right? Uh, uh, is this Scott? Yeah, yeah, Scott, right? He's in shipping, right? Because of all the COVID rules in China, things get sh- can be shipped to US. Whereas as a, res- as a result, there's no steel. Mm-hmm. So people who want to build storage, they can't get the steel to build the storage. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is everybody decided to work away from home. So. San Francisco is hollow out, like New York City is hollow out, and everybody moved to the suburbs. Right. So when they moved to the suburbs, they put tra- they, they put trash or they put their their their, their stuff in, in storage. Mm-hmm. So there's like double the demand and no supply. So it was really really good last year. This year I think it's still stable, but but no, I tell you like storage is a good industry everybody should look into. I, I haven't thought of any scenario that puts a dent in it. Like you I, I tell you, no, I, I tell you one scenario and you would you would be surprised. If Uber comes out with a self-driving, no, if Tesla comes out with a self-driving Uber, okay, that would be a big hit on self-storage. Well, they're gonna. So why? The average Americans, they don't use the, their garage to store their car. Mm-hmm. There's so much trash and junk in there. They can't store their car inside anymore, mm. right? So they part. No, no, no. Sorry, I got it wrong. Every garage is stored a car, right? Yeah. When your Tesla or your electric vehicle is self-driving is, is, and is picking up other passenger when you're not using it, you don't need a garage in your house anymore. Mm. Thus, you don't need self-storage. You just bring back everything and just put it in your garage. Who's thinking of this shit? Like, you got to be a very, very expert self-storage guy like Kevin Shee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like- that's, that's, that's our demise, you know? Somebody said that. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm thinking of all the geopolitical events that Hong Kong has, or self-storage in Hong Kong is effectively drive through right yeah. like rent, well rent not not really i mean i mean given the new regulations that we have that's well, that's a tough one that's regulations it's really really bad yeah. because uh is uh just say like just say i have a self storage here mm-hmm. the amount of safety and the amount of hallway that i have to give is ridiculous yeah but if i have like a subdivided office that upstairs or nearby it doesn't it doesn't count anymore so if you're storing with me and I charge you like six hundred US dollar a, a month, mm-hmm. and then you, after two years ago, why am I storing with him if I'm just, just rent an office over there and just put my stuff over there for like two hundred? Yeah. And the reason they have two hundred because they don't have to have self so right, regulations, yeah. right? So, so yeah. So for the listeners, what what the Hong Kong government's done is 
used to be able to yeah. outfit your self-storage Anywhere premise you however you wanted. Now they've come in and said you've got to have like X amount hallway, of huge hallways, windows. And, so basically, it's reduced the the number of units you can put in to a property by like yeah. 50 percent, 40 percent, 40 percent. I mean that's massive. So yeah. Uh, well, other than that, it's been. You know, it's it's been cool to see it thrive. We were actually just in in Japan with uh, one of your friends, the self storage here, and Kevin's like, "Have you ever seen anyone you know or any self storage company business you know <laughs> like go out of business because it just their business didn't work?" And he's like, "And this guy's like seven years old, he's been <laughs> yeah. in Japan for like forty years." He's like, "And I've asked this many many no, people." No. He's like, you know, occasionally there'll be a. The guy had a gambling problem. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll just want to get rid of the business, but no, no, no closures because the business didn't work. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. it's literally like the you best love it. Yeah. commercial real estate. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure it doesn't work in some markets, but. And I'll give you another example, right? Uh, if you have an office, just say you have a big office, right? You're, you're paying like uh, thirty thousand dollars a month for rent. Mm-hmm. And and the, the landlord decides to double your rent to sixty thousand, right? Something similar downstairs is still for thirty thousand. Are you going to move? No. Really? Say it again. Just say okay. Just say you're paying thirty thousand dollars for like a huge floor in New York yeah. City, right? Mm-hmm. And the landlord for some reason just double your rent. Okay. But it's the same building, just uh, like the the, the the second lower floor, our upper floor, they're still charging thirty thousand dollars and they're vacant. Would yeah. you just move up there? Oh, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. So. You can't really charge a premium, right? Mm-hmm. But with self storage, just say you're paying um, fifty dollar or sixty dollar, mm-hmm. right? And I use data and I see, oh, Sam is out of the country. Oh, Sam has some really treasure valuable here, and I double your rent to one hundred and twenty. Would you move out? Right. And that's although even though the same, there's a competitor nearby that still charges sixty. Yeah. Are you gonna get up your ass and say, oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm just right. Yes, yeah, the inconvenience of it all. So. So because each customer's lump sum is so small, mm-hmm. with data, it will scale, you can actually up your premium and double what they, you charge people mm-hmm. without them moving and leaving. Because because uh, we don't say how much you charge compared to your competitors. It's how much they pay in comparison to their total income. Mm-hmm. It's so minuscule that you could get away with it. So that's the beauty of self storage. Blame it on inflation. That's what everyone else yeah. is doing. And the other thing, and, and, and as a property guy, people will love it, is uh, the low cost of human, like, like uh, of employees. I mean, everywhere in the world now, you can't hire people. That's a big issue, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a friend in Thailand. He has a, like a three, three-star mini boutique hotel, about, I don't know, 150,000 square feet. I asked him, hey, how many people do you need to run this place? Oh, about 120. <sighs> Yeah, the, the, the cook, you know, the chef, you know, the cleaning, oh. everything, right? I said the same building, all self storage, two and a half, maybe yeah. three at most, uh-huh. right? So, so that's another beauty of self storage. Yeah. So, are you gonna are you planning on opening any more properties in Hong Kong or abroad? Hong Kong, I'm still in the midst of like this this uh, uh this the government thing, so so I'll be I'll be having a major transition for the next two years. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to to see. I've I've developed a new way to uh, do the storage that makes money and still. Uh, the the government's okay with it. Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, but Hong Kong is very generous. I mean, uh, I've learned to over the years. I've learned not to complain about the government and just to take advantage of whatever they have, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So they have this uh, brand brand uh, promotion fund. Uh, 
So if I open SC storage anywhere outside except the U.S., uh, I get a, up to $130,000 in subsidies. Mm-hmm. So I'll be opening different ones in Singapore and probably Dubai. So if you're interested, we can take a look. Let's do it. As long as uh, I don't have to put any money up, I don't have oh. to be involved. It can just collect a passive uh, dividend. You have to come and party. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of giving a dividend, just we yeah. just do a trip like this yeah. each year or something. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what's we got another six days left, I think, on this trip. Yeah. Or no, maybe more actually. I yeah. think more like ten days. What do we Eight got left? Days. What do we got left? What, what have you planned? <laughs> just riding bikes every day. <laughs> We're gonna see my friend in in Sapporo who has a very famous uh, crab and sushi place. Uh, so I always ask uh, uh, Sam to join EO. I'm part of EO, is an entrepreneur organization. It's uh, from the U.S. It's by uh, Vern Hemnish. So I've joined for eight years. It's uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's like a successful entrepreneur club. You have to have like at least five or six million dollar revenue to 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 join. Mm-hmm. And before you have to be under age 45. They they'll probably relax it if you're very successful. But normally it's under 45, right? So you should you should join once you join, you're in. But it's the network is amazing. Every city I go to, there's a EO member there. Mm-hmm. As as a courtesy, they always have to take you out. Like they may not buy you dinner, but they they'll come out and meet you, right? And, right? You you know a few a few of them in Barcelona, right? So yeah. so they're, they're, definitely, they're yeah. definitely not making four million a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, four million in Hong Kong because there's so many ah, rich people, yeah, right? Yeah. In India is ten million. Because yeah, they're so exclusive, it's crazy, wow. right? But in 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 US, I think it's I think one or two million. But but the network is good, and, and there's no solicitation, so so you can't sell people, right? It's just a network where you're supposed to meet once a month, and then you just share your business challenges or opportunities, and people will give you feedback. It's like your own board of advisors, which is I think is very good. It's really cool. Yeah. All right, so we got that tonight. Kevin wants to ride bikes every day for the next five days, <laughs> like 80K a day. I'm like, that doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> so I found out that actually where we're staying in Sapporo, the, one of the, for the listeners that like whiskey, Nika, N-I-K-K-A. Let's go there. Whiskey uh, distillery is like 20 minutes away. I was like, holy shit, that's so Let's go there, man. We were drinking that whiskey last night. It was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm trying to convince Kevin tomorrow to skip a – skip out on riding and just go do a tour there I think <laughs> oh, awesome. sure we'll, we'll talk about that later alright man well it's been fun to catch up yep we'll so what's, what's your plan uh, Sam what's your plan uh, after this where are you going and what, what's your plan to install it's already October what's your plan for 2023 let's mm-hmm. talk about that 2023 Whew. yeah man I mean I met you I met you tw- 2012. Man, I'm not I'm not planning too far ahead anymore. I'm just kind of trying to take it day by day. But actually, what really sounds good is just kind of following around your agenda as much as I can. That's already pre-planned. Like Colombia, Machu Picchu coming up, and then my 50th birthday, Bali in July, August, yeah. and then September for your birthday. Actually, yeah. Kevin's planning to do a bike ride, basically um, the route of the Camino de Santiago that goes from yeah. France. To yeah. Santiago, and I've obviously sleeping been, near a vineyard every night. Yeah, yeah. With a video production crew to talk, <laughs> talk shit. <there. laughs> so talk about. Uh, I went to Ukraine last year and Iceland and everything. I had two production crew, right? So, so that that was pretty good. Yeah. I never so. saw any like the the videos or stuff that you did. Oh, I'll show you later. It was, it was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we've done. We've covered. We've covered the Ukraine. Any 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 uh, business uh, uh, ambitions or investment ambitions next year? I mean, the best thing to do right now is to, uh, is deposits. I mean, yeah. I mean, at four or five percent, what kind of business beats that, man? Yeah, it's it's a t- it's a tricky one. I'm starting to get a bit of 
the last couple of years I was like just totally shut down from ter- pursuing anything business related or achievement related or material related and I'm, I'm kind of glad I went through that like I think it was sort of a necessary like cycle uh, almost like a washing out but now I'm starting to, to enjoy it. Like, it it's fun doing a trip like this where it's like you have it's a perfect balance you have something adventurous and physical like a physical challenge you have a new culture you have business you have friends you have friends business and like you know we, we don't get crazy but in the evening we'll have a couple of beers or something yeah. and so it's a really good all-around balance and uh, i wouldn't want to give up the like the business conversation like we we're talking you know it's almost like you have to stay in business just to be part of eo because you don't want to be in there and be like some passive investor so yeah i think having something that you're that's actively challenging the brain and you're, you're kind of but you don't like also you don't want to like I don't know like I remember a really good statement you you made uh, 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 a long time ago entrepreneurship beyond financial freedom is building your own prison mm-hmm. right okay if you need it for money you want, want some money you want to support your family or, or the life that you live is one thing but after that and you try to build more and more and more it has to be reversible just say like you're in retail right like me or something like and you got a very good property right and then the landlord says okay I'll give you a very cheap price but on a condition that you sign a personal guarantee for the next 10 years mm-hmm. how the hell are you going to get rid of that right right so so my view is like I don't want to get into anything that's non-reversible like I want to get out of yeah. like if I want to close my business I will be able to do it within a year I don't want to be stuck there for like ongoing uh, or like have a lawsuit like me right yeah. that goes on for like five six years seven years and uh, the lawyers keep on billing you right so so that's one thing that that's the really struck struck me you know so like it's okay to, it's okay to get in business but everything has to be reversible that's what i'm saying yeah at least this is beyond financial freedom right definitely careful with commitments at this point yeah <laughs> so, so before we break you've yeah. been trying you've been uh You've been wearing a new fashion item, I noticed. In, oh, the horror on- ring? No, no, no. In the onsen today, I noticed oh. <laughs> something that didn't look right. <laughs> Wonder if so, you could tell the listeners. So, about as a professional this. travel blogger who, who has authored two books, right? Uh, one thing that I really uh, get annoyed is uh, not able to do my laundries, especially uh, we walked across Ireland, right? And and, and there's not too many uh, laundry services, right? So for me, like as a solo guy, right? I, I don't mind having like like uh, reused clothes and all that, but underwear really gets me, right? And also, like it's become so dirty that my wife is really complaining, right? So, so ever since then, I, I discovered disposable underwear, which is great, which is which is great. I mean, like like I have much less uh, argument with my wife because I don't like, I don't bring let's, let's pause to take that in. <laughs> Kevin Shi, the kingpin of Hong Kong property, wears disposable underwear, and like when you see these, things, only for when I you travel, know what they are. It's because everyone's gotten a massage back, you know, some point in their <laughs> life when they had to put on those shitty little like rough. Well, they have a higher quality undies. one where like the, like it actually feels like real underwear, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no, it does not look like real underwear. It looks like sandpaper. But I, I like the concept. But I, I, I can recall wearing those underwear many times in massages. Yeah. And uh, and just how uncomfortable they feel. 
<laughs> so no, the better quality ones is not bad. It's yeah. kind of like feel feel feels like uh, uh, woven. I think we should create a disposable underwear brand because I think the concept. We gotta ask the other like uh, uh, this is what I'm really curious like with Johnny. Uh, uh, buy disposable underwear for his travels, or, or no, is that he, he, no? He, 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 he wear underwear, right? <laughs> or he doesn't even wear underwear. <laughs> no, but the, the, it's true. I've spent so much time trying to figure out a place to wash my underwear, and then I spend like thirty minutes washing underwear, a couple of, like in my sink here and then you guys you you hang it up all over your room and it doesn't always get dry before you it's kind of a pain in the ass i'm at a point i'm I'm, it might be the future i'm at a point where when i travel more than two weeks i just buy t-shirts and i just throw them out when i leave leave the country right right i'm just like either i buy t-shirt cheap t-shirts or 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 i buy but underwear like you you can't find underwear shop every day right so i just you know bring them out that's that's another knock on japan hard to close shop hard to buy like deodorant how much time do we spend looking for deodorant three stores (laughs) it's not like you walk in 7-eleven which is everywhere and find deodorant they don't have it yeah face cream uh hand cream it was yeah. like we spent like an hour at a pharmacy trying to figure this shit out so what's the conclusion right now Where, where's your favorite uh, Asian uh, spot to hang out or, I or live if you spoke Chingmai. I think if you spoke Japanese yeah I think Japan really but if you don't speak Japanese you can't read it it is difficult so Chingmai, yeah. you don't need need Thai anymore everybody speaks English yeah or basic English yeah I mean, I think Chiang Mai is as good as I've found, but there's obviously a lot of things I don't like about Chiang Mai, but no place is perfect, you know. But honestly, like, Japan usually is not cheap. Mm-hmm. The reason we find it so cheap right now is because of the historic, you know, U.S. Uh, currency being so strong. True, true. Right? Like, right now, we're not complaining, but, but you know. I don't know, should... man. Stuff that, like, like, this beer was, like, what, two bucks? Yeah. Is that cheap or expensive? It's pretty cheap. It like, is cheap, good, yeah. Japanese Sapporo Classic. Okay, the sake I bought you was 300. That's like... That's like well, bear, bear in mind, bear in my mind that the, the, the yen depreciated 40% over the last four months. Okay. <laughs> well, even if this is double, that's yeah. like four. Okay, it'd be eight bucks for yeah. like a small bottle of sake. Yeah. Yeah. That's not that bad. But one thing, uh, one thing I learned, and this is like a side note, Never re- invest in real estate when the population is decreasing. Mm. That's yes. number one. Actually, don't do any business when the population is decreasing. All bets off when the population is decreasing. So many people, like, there's so many uh, Japanese companies that sells properties in Os- for Tokyo, Osaka, and everybody buys them because, oh, you know, Hong Kong property is like two, three million dollars. I can get them for half a million US, right? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If it's such a steal, don't you think the guy in Tokyo would buy it already? Yeah. Or they would hire somebody to, to go to Hong Kong to sell it, right? Yeah. So there's no bargain in overseas properties because the guy locally would snatch it up already. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's just a sign. That's note. a good point. Yeah. And I will say that Japan reminds me of a retirement home. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you walk around the streets all you see is old people old people man yeah. aging like aging Asian retirement home yeah sweet old people you hardly ever see young people no you don't see many kids if you if you see kids you see one yeah you don't see a family you yeah. see one one kid yeah uh, i suspect it's not like people have been talking about yeah. japan's gonna have some serious problems in like 20 years yeah and the only now. way <laughs> yeah the only way they're gonna solve it like economy yeah. issues is they're gonna have to 
open up for immigration, which yeah. is just going to be like. Well, slowly they are. Slowly they are. Yeah. I mean, like if you go to like convenience sto- stores and all that, like there's all all the convenience clerk. They're not local Japanese anymore. They're like you know from Vietnam, from India, and all that. So yeah. slowly they're. Tokyo. All, I haven't seen any. Okinawa. I went there like three years ago. Like it's, it's non-Japanese anymore. Yeah. So they have to open up. Yeah. That's it. That's that's the script for Japan. Yeah. But uh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic country, just difficult. If you weren't with me, bro, and being able to speak Japanese, <laughs> and you didn't know that, uh, and you, and you yeah. didn't know, no, right? You probably left already. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll enjoy a good dinner, uh, dinner sushi tonight at your yeah. buddy's place. But man, thanks for coming on. Yeah. So if anybody wants to invest or buy our disposable underwear that we're thinking about, please, uh, please uh, put a post in the Boss Lounge or, or iLab, right? So, so we think about it. We're looking for investor, right? Register, Seat investors. Register your interests. We're something like a dollar a pair. We think it's a good price point. Register your interest in the Boss Lounge. Yeah. And uh, when we make them, we'll ship you a free pair. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, how do we say uh, thank you and goodbye in Japanese? Uh, Arigato and goodbye. Sayonara. Sayonara, we all know from uh, Ninja Turtles, right? Yeah. Sayonara. Sayonara. So, Sam, uh, what job do you think that almost caused me to go to Japan? That is so unexpected for you to say. I am sort of clueless. Um, give me a second. No. I mean, it would have to be something like travel, like you're promoting uh, the opening of, of Japan again because they just opened the borders again like three weeks ago. The only other thing I can think of is like some type of uh, winter like winter temp staff worker, like, at, but I don't think you even like skiing or or the cold, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know what? You are spot on with all that if you kind of combine it all. Um, it was a temporary two-week seasonal gig, uh, and it was going to be on a cruise ship in Japan over Christmas. And my job, uh, I'll give you a hint, I would only have to work an hour a day, uh, <laughs> and I would have to wear a costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um are you like uh some type of dinosaur entertainer for kids camp uh, basically that i would have been asian santa no way <laughs> how the hell do you find these opportunities and apply for them yeah, somebody posted it in one of the Facebook groups I'm in. They said, hey, we're looking for an Asian Santa. You don't need to speak Japanese. Uh, you just need to be over 200 pounds and have a, uh, have a bit of a beard. And I was like, "That that is me. And, and you're like, what be, else am I doing right now? Yeah, it's all expenses paid. I figured I've never been to Japan before. You know, we work an hour a day. The rest of the day, I can, you know, um, I can, you know, mess around and have a little loss in translation uh, adventure. Well, you yeah. know, why not? So I, I'm actually shocked that you didn't get the gig. Do you know who did? No, I, I'm I'm shocked as well. I'm like, who would make a better Asian Santa than me? Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. So that's the type of thing I would see like in Facebook, and I wouldn't even all right. Forget the fact that I'm I don't fit the Asian Santa profile, <laughs> but let's say I fit the profile of something like that. 
it wouldn't even register for me to like think about glancing at it. But it's actually no matter where you're at in life, like doing something like that would be super cool. Yeah. So, okay. Imagine there was an ad that said, we want a uh, surfer Santa <laughs> mm-hmm. to go to a all expenses, you know, trip to, I don't know, I guess where would a cool beach place be that, that you haven't been yet that you want to go. Okinawa, Japan. Yeah. And you need to be, you know, a you know a thin white Santa that looks that can pass as uh-huh. a surfer, dude. And you just work an hour a day, all expenses paid, two week trip. I mean, honestly, that's the type of stuff that I want to be doing with my life. Like, I have not, you know, get to a point where like I have nothing I really need to do, and I just start doing some weird, interesting, stress free stuff like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. But it, it also, it's not. I wouldn't, it's not a challenge, but it puts you out of your comfort zone in a sense that you have to, you have to be Santa Claus in front of kids, which like none of us have experienced doing before. Right. Yeah, absolutely. In a country where we don't speak the language, it, it, it literally would have been like lost in translation. Have you seen that yeah. movie recently? Yeah. I, I, I've seen that movie and I went to that hotel where Bill Murray was hanging out with a girl and I found their chairs and I sat in the chairs and had a whiskey and I'm like, this is badass. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, if, if anyone hasn't watched in a while, it actually is a bit sad, especially, you know, when you, when you kind of look back on, on his life as well, it shows, you know, the life of a successful person that is just in a country where they just feel lost and they don't really have any reason to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the friendships, you know, that you make, it's kind of out of this weird, you know, mutual desperation. Like, it, honestly, it kind of feels my, my, like my life here in Athens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Athens, Athens can be a very lonely place, man. It's weird that you said that because I've been there and I've been, I was there on, it was the only Christmas I spent totally alone. And I was in a hostel on Athens, um, and I decided not to go home for Christmas, but I was actually in Egypt. And then I was like, I don't want to spend Christmas in a you know Muslim country. And it was like Christmas Eve. And I'm like, this kind of sucks. Like, so I got a flight, the cheapest flight to the nearest place in Europe. And it was Athens. And I spent Christmas Eve in a, hotel, a hostel in Athens. And I like, pretty much like cried for an hour before I went to sleep. I'm like, this is just terrible. <laughs> um, but I, I, overall, the Greek people are like, very open and, and friendly good to, good to hang out with but i have had some lonely times in athens before as much as i love the country yeah i can definitely see that and, and i don't think it's you know it just has to do with athens or greece in general just when we are in a in a foreign country where we don't have the connections or f- friends and we're not traveling with someone yeah. and it's a special day you know whether it's a birthday or a holiday where you feel like you, you should be around people that's when it, it all hits yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Japan, uh, if you didn't love Asia and you didn't speak Japanese, you get lost here real quick and probably homesick really, really quick because it, it's it's very difficult to navigate. And there's a lot of rules and it can be a, it can be a d- difficult place. But because of those reasons, too, it's like this remarkable culture protected uh, very unique and peaceful place in this, wor- in this world. Like 
I was actually writing to my buddy today. I'm like, I am, I walk around and I'm just shocked at two things. One that like, that they were a world, like an Imperial power 80 years ago. Um, and basically conquered all of Asia and B that like two nuclear bombs were dropped here, uh, as a result of that. And like, you look around and everyone is just, it's the last, the last people in the world that you would expect to be aggressive or fight. Everyone's super shy. Like they make ties look like an Imperial power, you know, like they're just very soft, soft spoken, very shy. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, it's bizarre, yeah. but it just shows how quick things can change and also how much influence, um, a dictatorship and a, and a, a government, uh, can have over people. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious what it was like, hundred years ago, because mm-hmm. after those bombs, you know, Japan was basically forced into submission. Uh, it, yeah. They were done to to pacify, you know, their imperial, um, you know, wants and uh, you know, and, and missions. So, in one hand, you know, it worked. <laughs> Japan has, yeah. you know, has not even thought about raising um, an, an army again. But at the same time, yeah, culturally, it, it must be very difficult for them. Um, and I feel like, you know, Asian culture in general, like, you kind of just keep things inside. Even with family, you don't really, you know, talk about it. So I wonder if there is still any of that kind of lingering inside of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's just why they kind of work themselves to death. It, it is a it is probably the, one of the most interesting cultures in the world. And I'm glad it's preserved, but at the same time, it is very sad that it, it is a dying culture. It's true. It is true. Yeah. And All I think things the, change in this world. Yeah. That's one of the, nat- one of the laws of the world impermanence. Yeah. And the thing is, if they don't somehow magically turn around and, you know, uh, repopulate their, their country in the next 10 years, <laughs> They're going to have to resort to immigration. And what that's going to do, that's going to change the Japanese culture a lot. And we're going to lose a lot of, of you know, what there was. Yeah, it, it'll be an interesting case study on how a lot of predictions of the broader world are going to shape up. And, you know, forever the concern was overpopulation. And now everyone's starting to say, no, 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 it's actually going to be a dying population or underpopulation. What happens to what happens to the world if you cut the population in half from say eight billion to four billion? And there's a lot of theories on what that would look like, but you, you know you'd have probably a lot of places just collapse. A lot of places just kind of fall into rubble, like forests and jungles take them over. And that's happening in in Japan and smaller towns as it is in places like Spain and Italy. And that's why they did this one Euro house program. And Japan's got a similar program here to try to, to restore these areas because otherwise it's just, you know, the land takes it over and it's basically a lost village. And it also looks like crap (laughs) as it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, the, the biggest problem in the world is for the last 20 years, the people that should be having kids, you know, people with good incomes, they're educated, they're cultured, you know, they're te- you know, the intelligence um, family units. They're not having kids. I mean, or if they do, they have one kid, you know, or 0.5 mm-hmm. kids on average. Uh, while you get the, 
you know, the leechers in the world just at popping out five, 10, 20 kids, or maybe not 20, but, you know, in, in general, you know, five plus kids. And yeah. the world has both a overpopulation as well as an underpopulation problem at the exact same time. Yeah, it's true. Unless you're Elon Musk and you follow his role model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. So let's let's encourage more of that. So Sam, I think it's time for uh, you to start populating. Um, yeah. On that, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could be another episode. Nothing new. <laughs> yeah. Nothing new, but always a, uh, a a thought in the back of my mind. Not a day goes by that I'm like, what am I doing? Am I going yeah. this direction or that direction? Yeah. Well, just uh, the, the mid the middle years. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one thing that you did mention with with Kevin that really made me think is fifty is not the halfway point. Even if he ends up living to hundred, or we end up living to hundred, fifty is at the halfway point of our good life. It's it's like you know three quarters in because after seventy five, mm-hmm. you know, what are we gonna do? We're gonna sit around, maybe have a cup of tea and and read the news. That's exactly true. I, I think I'm thirty seven. I, I think I'm exactly midlife in terms of cognitive abilities. You know, so thirty seven times two seventy four. After seventy four, you know, maybe I'm still reading philosophy or doing some investments and stuff, but I don't really think I'm going to be applying my brain in a real meaningful way. So yeah. Uh, speaking of investments and body. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it is very interesting. What, uh, what Kevin did kind of going a hundred percent into wanting just passive income, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and investments and then kind of making a huge 180 and, and selling his entire portfolio, probably at a, at a loss, but then bouncing back and you know and and going you know hardcore back into into storage. He got over leveraged, right? Yeah, scary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think it happens to so many people when they when they 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 are for the first time able to get credit in a significant way or loan in a significant way or they have property and they can refinance it. And everything's going up. We're in a bull market and cryptocurrency is going up and tech stocks are going up. And, you know, you, you have access to capital that's not yours. You go back and you you try to accelerate your gains. So that cuts both ways, you know. That's why it's a scary thing. That's why, I, like, I literally never touch it. It scares me. You know, I, most I've ever taken out is like 100000 uh, as a security backed loan from Wealthfront. I've done that twice, but besides that, like I prefer just to be debt free. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, this can probably be a, a whole episode, but I think that at a certain point when we have a certain amount of net worth, you know, that that we can live off of, we shouldn't be taking huge risks anymore to get to that next level unless you know we really have a reason to but as kevin mentioned at that point once you have enough to live a good life everything else you're doing with entrepreneurship or leveraging it's just to hit a and kind of an ego go and it, and it's you know you're risking everything for for what yeah kevin and i were having dinner last night and he was like sam you should get into i think he said um like loan sharking 
I don't even know how the conversation came up. I'm like, oh, why would I do anything like that? Like, <laughs> all these odd ways to make a buck. And it's like, I don't, I, I keep dabbling in this game, you know, like when Kevin and I are together, we do nice things. We have really expensive dinners and nice bottles of wine. And, and every time I do it, it's like, it's great for a couple of days. And then after a few days, I'm like, I don't even really enjoy this, you know, like I enjoy just like literally super basic life, small amount of luggage, minimalism, like peaceful nature stuff. Um, so I, I'm, I still come, keep coming back to this point where like I'm drawn into making m- much more money. But then as soon as I start spending a little bit of money that's above my normal that I typically spend, I don't feel good. You know, what I did feel good was donating that, that school in Cambodia last month that for like a month, I was like, felt great. And you feel clean and pure and like, it's all good stuff. You know, you go out. Okay. Another, another example, the yen is cheap, Johnny, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost too good a value here. So I was going by a clothing store the other day and there's Montclair, you know, the, um, the nice Uh, uh jackets. And normally these jackets are like $3,000. And I was like, mm. I'll never buy one of these. Well, I went by like, and they're fully priced, but the yen has collapsed so much. that like, these jackets are like $1,300, you know, really nice Montclair jacket. I'm like, that's too good of a deal. And I'm kind of cold. I ended up buying this jacket. I felt like such a, a loser for the last three days wearing this oh, thing. I don't no. even know what to do with it. Anymore. I cut the tags. So now I'm trying to think of who can I re-gift this jacket to? Because I can't oh, wear no. it. I just... I feel like a douche, you know? And, it, and it's, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what a Montclair jacket is, it's like these kind of wrapper puff jackets, but they're super yeah. shiny to, to get the attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not only is mine super shiny, just like you described and super poofy, it also has a huge, so it's all black, like shiny black. Then it's got a huge white M on the left shoulder that goes from like your elbow to the shoulder. Like the whole oh my God. elbow to shoulder is a big white M for Montclair. Yeah. And it kind of looked cool, like hanging up. And then yeah. when I saw myself in the mirror wearing it after I cut the tags off, I'm like, I look like an idiot. This oh, jacket, man. I would look really cool in, in my late 20s. But now I'm like, I can't, I can't wear this shit, man. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, and you know, that's the hard part is once you've sunk the money in, you know, there is that sunk cost fallacy where mm-hmm. technically now, you know, it should, you should just be able to get rid of it and say, you know what, it was a mistake. It's not going to, you know, ruin my life. Let me just re-gift it to someone. But I bet you giving it away is going to be hard as well because you feel like, man, I just wasted all this money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't actually know who's going to wear this. It's pretty flashy, man. Yeah. Most of my friends aren't very flashy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll be well, thinking hard. <laughs> but i just feel go. i mean point is like i feel stupid buying stuff like i i've been wearing a a decad uh what's it decathlon like seven dollar windbreaker this entire trip and mm-hmm. i like it you know mm-hmm. and i go out and buy this fourteen hundred dollar montclair and it's like i can't wear this stuff man yeah so hopefully that's a good thing you know i think it's just yeah, yeah. like i'm becoming i'm becoming more humble and trying not to identify like my ego anymore. It's like, even on this trip, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed going to that temple and just meditating and, and hanging out with monks. And yeah, it was yeah. so boring. I have to be honest. It was really, really boring. And I don't think I can make a life out of it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I once did, 
but it's like, you're never going to feel bad doing stuff like that. You know, yeah. when you, when you, you, you practice virtue and hang around, um, people like good intentions, service to other, you're always going to feel good. But when, yeah. you, when you use things that like are flashy and you try to serve yourself and like, it's, it never, it never works. Sometimes you get a short-term hit, but there's nothing sustainable in it. And most of the time I think you just end up feeling like a douche. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And actually one kind of big, um, kind of overlying theme, uh, of what you and Cameron are talking about, including the, the customers for his business and, and kind of the trap that we're all in is just having too much stuff. Cause mm-hmm. you, you like most people don't actually need a storage unit, you know? Uh, and, and the, the idea of people in the U S needing to reclaim space in their garage just to store things when the average person in the US has a huge house anyways. It just means we have too yeah. much stuff. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. So well not yeah. you and I, Johnny. Also although my closet is now getting a little bit more full with this puffy ridiculous thing that's about to go in it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one trick that helped me a lot when I was traveling full time was anytime I would buy something, I would first have to get rid of something just to make room uh, for it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I purposely uh, got a pretty small closet in my place in Ukraine. So now, you know, you just, with having, you know, enough things to be comfortable, you know, to be able to have some winter clothes, uh, I know that I, I just can't physically you know buy more and more things so if i want to buy another pair of shoes if i want to buy another jacket i have to get rid of something so that forces me to really think about what i want what i need uh and i think that's very healthy smart man smart man i like it so any plans to visit japan on the on the future i would really like to to be honest i i i think especially right now is the perfect time because the yen is is weak against the dollar uh there's still this you know Japanese culture that it's not, you know, it's going to be very different even five years from now. So I should mm-hmm. go ASAP. If anything, I should just go tomorrow. Uh, but I don't know. I just going all the way to Asia. Just to me, it's, it's not in my cards right now. I'm uh, I made the mistake of, you know, planning routes, buying a home in Ukraine. And I now I've and a car. And now I feel like I have to go back after this to, you know, to drive the car, make sure it doesn't um, sit all winter, yeah. check on the house. So yeah, the things we own end up uh, owning us. And I would owning say that's us. the big takeaway from, from this episode. It's true. It's true. Well, I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed hearing back from Kevin. That's the third time he's been on the show. So I think that puts him in the running with Omar Khan for most frequent guests. Uh, and we got a, uh, a lot from everyone's feedback in the boss lounge on their favorite episodes. We're trying to bring more and more of those to you. Other than that, Johnny, have anything before we wind it up? Yeah. Shout out to Kevin. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Looking forward to hanging out again soon and all you bosses. Thank you. Stay bossy. Uh, Appreciate all of you guys and Sam. I hope to see you as well. Appreciate you, Johnny. And thanks again uh, for all the Patreons. We've been trying to post a lot more content in there, uh, including uh, a quick, quick intro to from Kevin and I in Japan before this episode aired. And if you guys have any guest suggestions, please shout them out. We're starting to plan our next quarter and we'd love to know who you guys want to see on the show. Awesome. See you guys. Uh, how do you say goodbye or thank you in Japanese? Arigato is thank you and bye. I think you should know this, Johnny.
Didn't you ever watch uh, Ninja Turtles? Kokonichiwa? Obigato? No, I don't know. Sayonara. Oh, yeah. Sayonara. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.